coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and back with me today is my co-host, Curtis. And I know... We told you on our last episode that today's show was going to be a recruiting mailbag episode, actually our first ever recruiting mailbag episode, and as excited as we were and as prepared as we were for that show, we're going to have to call an audible on today's show. I promise we will get to the recruiting mailbag first thing next week, so if you send in questions for that, we're not ignoring you. We're just going to push it back one episode here, but we had to make room for an emergency podcast today. It just had to be done because... As I'm sure all of you have seen by now, at least if you don't live under a rock somewhere, a five-star bomb was dropped today completely out of nowhere with the news that former five-star and former USC, as in like University of Southern California, USC, starting quarterback JT Daniels is transferring across this great land to join our Georgia Bulldogs. By now, I'm sure most of you who were already familiar with Daniels have done the mandatory Googling of his name, but for those that might not have yet gotten to that, here's just a a quick overview on who JT Daniels is. He was a five-star prospect and the number three quarterback in the country coming out of high school in the 2018 class. Yes, that was also the same class as Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. Lawrence was the number one quarterback, Fields was number two, and Daniels was number three. Uh, a lesser-known fact about Daniels, though, he is that he actually graduated a year early from high school and reclassified to the 2018 class very late in that process. I think it was uh, late December 2017, which means it was about three-fourths of the way through that 2018 cycle. So he actually might have been ranked even higher if he had been part of that class from the get-go. He's, uh, from a physical standpoint, a six foot three, 210-ish pound quarterback, There was a lot of hype leading into his freshman year at USC, like savior of the program type hype. He did win the starting job out of the gate as a true freshman on a really bad USC team. I think they ended up going five and seven that year, but he he did put up good, uh, not stellar, but still good numbers as a true freshman. He completed 60% of his passes for nearly 2,700 yards, 14 touchdowns. Uh, did have 10 interceptions. Like most freshmen, he had good games and bad games. But he really did. One of the more, more encouraging things about his freshman year is he played some of his best football against the best competition that year. He completed 63% of his passes and threw for 322 yards at Texas. Remember, in 2018, that was a good Texas team. They beat Oklahoma in the regular season, uh, pushed Oklahoma again in the Big 12 title game. And I know we don't want to talk about it. They did beat us, an unmotivated Georgia team, in that Sugar Bowl. So he had a good game against them. He completed 72% of his passes and threw for 350 against a playoff-bound Notre Dame team. And really, he kept USC in that game. Again, a bad USC team. Kept him in that game against a playoff-bound Notre Dame team until the very end. And he did that, oh, by the way, with T. Martin as his offensive coordinator, who was summarily fired at the end of that 2018 season because he was terrible at his job. Uh, then enter new offense coordinator Graham Harrell and his area attack. Daniels won the job again with the new coordinator, but he tore his ACL in last year's season opener against Fresno State. And then when that happened, another true freshman, this time Keaton Slovis out of Arizona, he came in and performed very well as the starter. 
in uh, this in Daniel's instead, and it was um, kind of set up to be an epic battle between Slovis and Daniels this offseason before Daniels ultimately decided to enter the portal in mid-April. I imagine what he was probably thinking was that he was going to play it out in the spring and see if he could uh, see what kind of where he stood after the spring. If he kind of retook the starting job and positioned himself well, he might have stayed at USC. Uh, but if the inverse was true, if he was kind of falling behind Slovis and didn't feel like he was going to be the guy or the new coordinator, then he was going to go ahead and transfer. And then obviously with the whole coronavirus thing, there was no spring practice, and therefore he just decided, I can't just put all my eggs in the fall camp basket because at that point, then I'm if I lose the job in fall camp, I'm probably stuck on USC for the rest of the year, and that puts me another year behind. I could be in a pro- even if I have to sit out a year, I could be in a program learning the system, getting ready for 2021. So I think that's probably what he was thinking, and that's why he waited until mid April to decide to enter the transfer portal. There was some thought that he might end up coming back to USC, but obviously that did not happen, and he will now have three years to play three in Athens. So that's just a little bit of background on JT Daniels and his career to this point. And I want to give credit here. This whole deal was first reported, as far as I know, as far as I can tell, it was first reported by UGA Sports' Jake Ryus. Curry, is that right? Is that where you initially saw this news? Um, yeah, when it started popping up, he was the uh, the first guy that you saw really dropping it. Yeah, I think he was the one dropping this bomb initially, and then everyone else kind of caught on from what I could take. And I, from what I could tell, that's where I saw it first this morning. And Jake's a great dude. He does great work on the recruiting front and deserves a lot of credit on this one. So I want to throw that out there because everyone was following his lead today. There's no doubt about that from my perspective. But obviously, this has been developing behind the scenes since Daniels first entered the transfer portal back in mid-April, I think it was. But it's been a well-kept secret because as close as I follow this stuff, I had heard absolutely nothing about JT Daniels in Georgia until Thursday morning when I got up this morning. Kurt, had you heard anything? Was I just missing this whole deal? No, I. It, to me, it's completely in the dark. I mean, I forgot about him even transferring because I figured he'd be somewhere in the West Coast or, you know, Big 12 maybe. It was somewhere over there. Yeah, I mean, this hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, And, and I mean, I, I don't even know that's the right thing to say because I actually am really excited about this. But – like in terms of just like waking up and seeing that initially, like just as I woken up this morning, I was kind of like, whoa, 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 what am I, am I reading this correctly? Um, so it was certainly a surprise for me. I heard absolutely nothing about it. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I hear, and I do, I hear, I hear things around town here, living in Athens and just knowing a few people are here and there around the program and, and some of it ends up panning out and some of it not so much. And that's just because things are fluid when it comes to this kind of stuff. But I do hear a couple of things here and there. Uh, but I, again, I have to admit, I heard absolutely nothing about this at all. Maybe that's a function of the whole coronavirus and lockdown and that whole deal, which we're not really locked down that much anymore. But I, I had heard nothing about this. It wasn't even on my radar. Uh, I kind of woke up Thursday morning, went about my morning routine, which, as I'm sure it's, most, it's the case for a lot of you guys out there, involves immediately checking just a bunch of different sources for Georgia news. And, and my eyes almost bugged out of my head when, when I saw this JT Daniels stuff. And and then like 90 seconds after I saw it, Kurt, you texted me and you were, it seemed to, to me that you were equally as taken aback as I was. And, and there are a lot of layers to this transfer. This isn't one of those things where it's just like, oh yeah, cool. We got a good quarterback. Awesome. No, I mean, there are, there are possible implications for potentially the 2020 season, certainly the 2021 season, 2022, and even beyond that potentially. And so there's just a lot of different directions to go with this one. So we do apologize here at the outset if this show seems maybe just a little less organized than usual. 
That's because it is. Uh, we, we spent the past couple of days preparing for the recruiting mailbag show that we had initially planned to run today, only to have that upended by all this JT Daniels news, uh, which, by the way, is official now. Uh, we kind of been watching it all day long, but Daniels himself has now posted a graphic of the transfer on his Instagram, his Twitter account, so it is official. Um, so bear with us, but we did feel that this was too important to not break down in a detailed way. But, Kurt, let's uh, let's start discussing this in, in, in some more detail, and let's start the discussion here. What, what was the initial reaction that you had to the news of this JT Daniels transfer like once you saw that it was official were you more excited more concerned like where is your head with all of this right now now that it's official I think I'm kind of excited um you know I'm thinking more uh towards next year and things like that um when I'm thinking about it absolutely I I'm, I'm totally with you on that to me to me I'm I'm also very excited about this my excitement stems more from the potential for the 2021 season yeah 2021 is where season. my attention mostly turned yeah absolutely and, and honestly like I know there are some different ways to look at this, and people have different opinions, and that's what makes the world go round. That's great. But as far as I'm concerned, I honestly don't get why anyone would not be excited about this development. Like I, I just I don't get that. Like, and I, I mean, I guess I know the arguments. I just don't buy the arguments. I, I know some would say, well, it creates a quarterback controversy this season potentially if he gets his eligibility, you know, between him and Newman. Uh, or it may scare off one of the young guys, the Carson Becks, the Brock Vandegrift might scare one of those guys away. They might transfer now, or Brock Vandegrift might decommit. And, and I, so I, I get that argument. I know that's the argument. But my response to that is, oh, well. Kirby's job is to give us the best chance to win. And the way you do that is you bring in the best possible players, especially at the most important position on the team, so that you can create competitive situations. Like we're, We always talk about how great competition is. Like we want to bring in all this talent every other position, but not at quarterback. I just I don't get that argument. I don't I just don't buy it. Um, and look, we're all high on the potential of Carson Beck and, and maybe more so Brock Vandegrift and maybe even Dwan Mathis to a degree if he gets fully cleared. But but the fact is, none of those guys have done anything yet at the college level. Not one of them have. Uh, and, and if you're Kirby, like how can you just pass up an opportunity to bring in a guy of JT Daniels's caliber? just because it may ruffle a few feathers. Like, does that make any sense to you, Kurt? Like, do you get what I'm saying there? Yeah, and see, I mean, I mean, we've seen what can happen if, you know, you stick to just recruiting and having, like, those two five-star guys on campus because someone's going to transfer out, and then you're left with a very, very um, diminished quarterback room that doesn't have a lot of depth. Um, we saw it with the Fields-Fromm situation. Um, I mean, if we don't land Fields, then it would have happened after the Easton-Fromm situation. Um, so I understand it, and you know, especially with when you think about the 2021 implications. You know, I was talking to someone about it, and you got to think about it. That very first game is in Charlotte against Clemson. Do you want to be potentially starting a, a true freshman and yep. Brock Vandergriff or a redshirt freshman for his more than likely first ever start in Carson Beck uh, against Clemson? Uh, I don't no. think so. Hell no, Curtis. I'm glad you said that because when I first saw the this news this morning that it was very likely that we were going to land him when it just hit me like a ton of bricks coming out of nowhere. That was immediately where my mind went. My mind went to Charlotte, North Carolina against Clemson week one, 2021, because I mean, the way our quarterback, you're right. The way our quarterback room was structured before this transfer, like we were either going to be starting a true freshman in Brock Vandegrift or redshirt freshman. Yeah. Either way, it was going to be one of their first starts. Yes, and maybe you can maybe you can say Dwan Mathis had a shot. I mean, but the guy hasn't even been cleared yet fully, as far as I know. And I hope to God he is. 
and he's in the picture because I, I, I think he's got some talent and, and I'd like to see what he can do with his dual threat ability. But you're exactly right. Whether it's a true freshman, a redshirt freshman, or uh, a redshirt sophomore, they've none of them. Uh, if Jamie Newman stays healthy this year, whoever the starter is stays healthy this year, more than likely whoever was going to be in 2021 without JT Daniels in the picture, it was going to be their first start. Uh, and I think it's a, a strong likelihood it would have been a freshman in some way or shape or whether a true freshman or a redshirt freshman to open the season against Clemson. Um, and we were going to do that. And here's my thing. Outside the quarterback situation in 2021, we have an otherwise loaded roster heading into 2021. And honestly, I wasn't too thrilled with the outlook for that season, with the idea that we're going to have a true freshman or a redshirt freshman potentially starting that season at quarterback. Because, again, like we have an otherwise loaded roster going into the 2021 season. And I had already kind of prepared myself for 2021 to be a transition season with a young quarterback. Like I'm not saying we're going to drop off the face of the earth, but maybe have two or three losses in the regular season in 2021 with a true or redshirt freshman quarterback most likely starting that season uh, with an otherwise loaded roster. But I don't think that has to be the case now. Uh, I'm not just going to hand the job to Daniels in 2021. He's going to earn it. But I think – like, don't you think, Kurt, he has to be the odds-on favorite to win that job? Yeah, and, you know, another thing uh, – factor I was talking about too is Daniels has more of a, you know, feel for the type of offense that Todd Monken is wanting to implement at Georgia now also – um, that more air raid type system. And I think that's another thing that made it attractive for uh, potentially even Tom Monk and having some influence in going after him and trying to get him on campus. Cause I mean, uh, if, I think for the future wise, that's the type of offense Kirby wants to run. So he's bringing in someone that has experience in that system also. Yeah, that's a great point. It's a great point. I just, I agree with you there. And I just like, to me, like, again, I'm not handing him the job in 2021. He's going to have to earn it. Right. But I just think he clearly has to be the odds-on favorite with this combination of talent, experience, like you mentioned, maturity. And he'll also have a year in our system by that time uh, ahead of – now, I, I know Beck and Mathis, if they're still here, will also have that year. But he'll have a year in the system over Brock Vandegrift, plus his talent, his experience, his maturity, all of those things. So I think he has to be the odds-on favorite heading into 2021, not even speaking about what the potentials could be for 2020. So to me, like that is why I am so excited about this because I had kind of chalked up 2021 to kind of be in a, a transition year because every great program has those occasionally unless you just uh, you're Clemson you keep landing elite quarterback after elite quarterback and then Kirby's try, he, I think he's trying to get to that point like we're just gonna keep rolling in elite quarterbacks and I think JT Daniels when you have an opportunity to get a guy like that like how do you pass that up so yeah I, I am so pumped about 2021 now I mean think about that roster Kurt think about that roster that we're gonna have. I mean, you got the Trayvon Walkers, all those guys uh, for, from last year's class are going to be juniors. You're going to have Nolan Smith. You're going to have Stevenson. All those guys. Keely Ringo will be a sophomore. Seen will be a, a junior. We have all these guys, especially defensively, even offensively. You're going to have George Pickens coming back um, for his junior year. Dominic Blaylock. You're going to have a year under the belt with guys like Darnell uh, Washington. Yeah, exactly. Darnell Washington, Rosemary, all these guys. We got all the receivers we got in last year's class, offensive linemen. All these guys, we're going to be ready to destroy people in 2021, except for the quarterback position. But now I don't think that has to be the case. And, and sure, like, don't get me wrong. Like, uh, we, we've seen freshman quarterbacks come in and have more success over the past couple of years than ever before. I think that's a result of, of how offensive systems have kind of been simplified to allow a freshman quarterback to come in and make more of an impact. And you've also seen that kind of trickle down to the high school level. So they're running more of the kind of stuff you do at the college level in high school, more so than ever before. So I think it's an easier transition than it ever has been. But I still don't want to count on that. Do you, Kurt? Like, do you really have to count on a freshman when, you're, when the rest of your roster looks that great? No, I mean, not saying that they can't do it, but it just makes you feel a little bit more comfortable. Yeah, like they can do it. Like they're, sure, they're the Trevor Lawrences out there. Like, like those guys exist. But even but, Trevor Lawrence didn't start till four or five games that's in. That's true. 
Great point. Absolutely. Even he did not start until a couple games about a third away into that season. So like, yeah, it, it could work out great with a freshman quarterback. I'm not, I'm not going to just completely discount the possibility of that. But again, I don't want to have to count on that. And if you don't bring in uh, a guy like JT Daniels, you have a chance to, you are essentially accounting on a freshman or a highly inexperienced, a completely inexperienced quarterback barring injury this year in that situation. And that is not all that doesn't make me all that confident in 2021 when you have a, a guy that's that potentially a guy that is that inexperienced at what I think is the most important position on the field. So, uh, yeah, there are a lot of questions with this transfer. Um, and we kind of alluded to this a little bit. But let's let's kind of head more in this direction, Kurt, and kind of flesh this out. One of the big questions I think that we have to answer with this, with this whole deal with JT Daniels is, why exactly did we target him? Like, we already landed the guy who was thought to be the best transfer quarterback on the market in 2020 uh, in Jamie Newman, at least the best transfer on the market before JT Daniels. Uh, I, I Definitely the best quarterback in the grad transfer market, in my opinion. Um, we've got Carson Beck in the 2020 class who has some upside. We flipped five-star Brock Vinegar from Oklahoma. for the. Or he's from Georgia, but we flipped him from the University of Oklahoma for this 2021 class. DeJuan Mathis is looking like he's getting closer and closer, getting cleared. We've still got Stetson Bennett <laughs> somewhere in the mix there. So we've looked pretty good from a quarterback room perspective moving forward. So, Kurt, why bring in JT Daniels? Again, we've already alluded to this a little bit. Let's get more focused on this. All right, well, first off, I mean, like you said, he's such a talent. Like, when you have the opportunity to get that talent, you really turn it down. You know, I mentioned what I think of how he fits Monken's offense. And I think um, at the same time, I don't know this, but I can picture something like Carson Beck now that we have him on campus and things like that. Like, when we got him committed, even before he enrolled, we hadn't hired um, Todd Monken at that point. So, maybe Monken evaluated things and who knows if Carson Beck really fits what he wants to do in the future and what he sees in the quarterbacks he wants to have type thing. Um, and I, from what it seems, it looks like George is putting a lot of chips in the Brock Vandegrift um, um, for That's, him to be the guy yeah. in the future. So if you could have someone to build a bridge with a talent like JT Daniels, why not? When he, like I said, I think he fits more what we want to do in the future. And I'm not throwing away Beck saying he can't do it. But it, it gives us the confidence going to 2021 and also gives us a time that time for someone that we look for in being the future at that position and Vandegrift not being rushed. Yeah, I think, I think you hit the nail on the head there, especially with that one term, bridge. I think Daniels can be that bridge guy from Jamie Newman this year potentially. And, and we'll, we'll talk about eligibility here in a second because he might be eligible in 2020. We'll find out. Uh, but potentially the bridge from Jamie Newman this year and Brock Vandegrift down the road kind of – take some of that pressure off Brock potentially coming in, having to have that pressure to try to come in and win the job as a true freshman. So, yeah, I think everything you said there um, is completely accurate. I, as far as I'm concerned, like to me, I think Kirby has seen the light. I think last year awakened him. Like, he knows what he has built in Athens. He knows that he has built a monster uh, from a roster. And he has seen what Alabama, how much their program has changed even more when they went to more of a spread attack offensively. Uh, how much has changed them? That's another great point. You're exactly right. I mean, they had kind of those game manager type quarterbacks, guys who are more in the vein of a Jake Fromm, guys like yeah. AJ, I mean, Pierre they were still Pierre. dominating the competition, but they like they've taken it to the I competition mean, and not caught up with them from a talent perspective yet. Yeah, that's what it was. Like Clemson had not caught up to them yet. We hadn't caught up to them yet. Uh, there just wasn't as much. Honestly, there wasn't as much competition at that point. There really wasn't, uh, especially in this region. I mean, those guys. I mean, like I don't know. Like you put AJ McCarron on Alabama's roster last year, like. Instead of Tua, I, I don't think they're as good. I mean, AJ McCarron was good. Don't get me wrong. 
He's still in the NFL right now, making a living as a backup. But I, I just don't he, – he didn't have those kind of quarterbacks. I think once he made the transition offensively and opened it up and went to those more dual-threat type quarterbacks, quarterbacks are just more athletic, more dynamic. I, I think Kirby's seen that now. And I think he thought he could do it the old-school way. But I, I think he's seen the light. And he, he has. He's built a monster. But it was a monster with one fatal flaw. It was the offense. That was the flaw. I mean, and he's fixed the offensive coordinator issue. In my opinion, we'll see how it plays on the field, but I'm very confident that Todd Munkin is going to be the answer offensively. Uh, and he's now attacked the quarterback position. And Kirby's a sharp dude, guys. I know he plays with the old folks. He's Southern from Bainbridge. I know he plays that up, but he's a sharp guy. Uh, and he's seen enough now as our head coach to understand that if you are elite and you are, are not athletic at the quarterback position, you are operating at a disadvantage in today's college football. And, and like, and Jake Fromm, like we've said this many times, he was really good for us. But even I will admit, Jake wasn't like elite elite, and he wasn't athletic. We know that for, for sure. And, and, and in some ways, a lot of ways, that did hinder our offense. Well, Kirby is not going to let that happen again. He's just not going to let it happen again. He, he's got a, a clean slate here. He is not going to have a roster that is built to win a national t- title everywhere else but the most p- important position on the field. And you can criticize him for waking up to this too late. I mean, I think that's potentially a fair criticism. I mean, you can say that. But regardless of that, I think it's pretty clear at this point with how he's uh, aggressively attacked the quarterback position. He is awakened to the fact that he has got to be elite and athletic at that position. And therefore he is now, as we all see, tackling this quarterback issue head on and tackling it very, very aggressively. So I think that's why you got to bring in this guy. And again, like if, if a guy like JT Daniels, a five-star quarterback, former five-star quarterback has shows interest in your program, how do you turn him away, Kerr? Like, how can you look? How can and you look? I think that's the biggest thing too. Like, can you like say a, that? Can no. you say that the guys on campus, like Beck and the um, Stetson and the other people, and even Vandegrift as a fr- true freshman, are better than what he can give you? Yeah, and, and maybe they turn out to be. Maybe, but we don't know that. You have no idea. So you, I just don't think you turn away a guy of that caliber if he shows interest and he wants to come play for you, like you're going to tell him, no, I, I no, no way, man. No. And, and think about this, Kurt. What, what if we didn't, what if we did not uh, take his, his commitment? What if, what if he wanted to come here and we're like, nah, man, we're not that interested. We got Vandergriff. We got Beck, you know, we're, we're good. We got Mathis. We're fine. We got Jamie Newman this year. We're good. And then we, and then he goes to like Tennessee. Cause there's actually some conversation, some talk about him, some buzz about him potentially going to Tennessee or even potentially Florida. I mean, you could have thought about that. I mean, he could have ended up at a competitor. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what, what if that happens? And then the word comes down, like, let's say he, he, wherever he goes, he has a huge year. And then, you know, he's getting some media love and he does some interviews talks and, and somewhere down the line, I don't know how it would come out, but it comes out that he uh, was actually interested in Georgia back in, back in the summer of 2020. And we told him, no, we didn't have room for him. We, we were good with what we had. Huh, you think Kirby would be killed in that? He would be murdered in that situation, especially with the history with, with Justin Fields. He would have, the, think about the national narrative there. Just think about it. You can't turn this guy away. You just can't. You can't turn away. He makes your team better. He increases the competition. He can be a bridge guy to the future. I, I absolutely think this is a home run move, and I think this is a move you have to make. You have to make this move if he's willing to come here. I absolutely think you have to. Um, but that brings us to the, maybe the most immediate question here uh, that we have to answer, and, and that is, Will JT Daniels be eligible this season in 2020? Assuming we have some sort of season, we all know Curtis and I think that that's going to happen. We don't know what it looked like, but we think that's going to happen. Uh, so, Kurt, I know anytime you are talking about the NCAA and transfer waivers, it is a total 100% crapshoot. And you'd be crazy to bet on it one way or the other. But if I had to put a gun to your head, 
Which way are you leaning right now? Will Daniels be eligible to play in 2020? Um, right now, it looks like a lot of people that they're going to be pretty liberal with the uh, waivers that they're granting. Um, and that's just the feeling I'm getting in general. Yeah, so this is a, I think this is a really interesting question. And, and he's not the only guy that's going to be in this boat. We had a guy, obviously, I'm not going to say him by name, but the guy that we all know that transferred from our offensive line last year. He's heading to a rival in the in the division. Um, and he So there's plenty of other players out there that are waiting to see if they're going to get their eligibility or not uh, and be immediately eligible. I – like, honestly, if you just look at the, his situation, this is about a guy who got injured towards ACL last year. And in the wake of that has increased competition at his position. There is no ex- extenuating family issue. Like, uh, let's say a guy like Luke Ford had, there is no, and he didn't even get his uh, waiver approved. There's no coaching change. Uh, there's no conflict on campus at USC that we know of. It's really just about a guy who got injured. As far as we know, he got injured and has more competition. A new offense coordinator came in. I guess you can say that was a coaching change, but it wasn't the head coach. And he wants to go to a better situation. So traditionally, those guys don't always get their waivers approved. But recently, like especially the quarterback position, you see more and more of these guys. Like, like honestly, how much more of a case did a guy like Tate Martell or a guy like Justin Fields have compared to Daniels? Yeah, I was going to say Martell literally had no excuse other than he got recruited over. Yeah, I mean, exactly. You can you can say, I guess, I mean, you can say with, with Justin Fields, like, yeah, all right, there was the whole uh, racist um, term that was used uh, against him. And obviously, I think that was uh, something he had in his back pocket that helped his And case. at least and Daniels I, is coming off an injury. And yeah, Daniels is coming off an injury. But if you look at like the Martell situation, Martell transferred out flat out because he because there was a guy that transferred in and he didn't think he was going to win the job. And he got his eligibility. It didn't work out for him at Miami, but he got his eligibility immediately. So we've seen it happen, but we've also seen the NCAA just make some completely like boneheaded decisions when it comes to transfers. I mean, like indefensible type decisions. And there's just no rhyme or reason to their transfer waiver process. And there was a lot of talk leading up to this season that there was going to be a new rule instituted that there was going to be a one-year transfer, uh, penalty-free transfer or one-time penalty-free transfer for every player in college football moving forward. But that did not pass. That has not passed yet. They've actually kicked that down the road for another year. It looks like it'll probably go into effect, but it won't go into effect until the 2021 season. There were really the, what was holding it up. There's more issues about like roster size. Like if, if we're going to have all these guys that are free to transfer and you call it free agency. Well, how are, if coaches are limited to 25 scholarships as a hard 25 cap, how can you manage your roster to have 85 scholarship guys on, on your roster at a time? And there's a lot of complications. I think that's why they kicked it down the road for another year so they could kind of address those concerns to figure out a way to handle that. But that did not get approved this year. It did not. So if it had, he would have been eligible, free to play immediately right away. But without it being approved this year, we don't know. I think you're right, Kurt. I still think the understanding is the NCAA is going to be very liberal with this because that rule is coming. It has not come yet, but like everyone knows it's coming sooner rather than later. Um, so maybe this year they're more eligible than they are more lenient than they ever have in been, have been in the past. Like I could see that scenario play out, but it, it, traditionally speaking, if you look at Daniels's case, like the only thing that he has going for him is that okay they changed offensive coordinators, but usually that hasn't been enough. You usually had to be a head coaching change, and he got injured. But even that in the past hasn't always been enough. But again, there's just like you just don't know with the NCAA. So there's I think there's a good chance that he gets approved. If you had to go, Kerr, you going? Eligible or not? I think I, I'll go eligible because right now the NCAA is – I feel like they're their minds are somewhere else. 
I'm gonna. I'm. I got. I feel like I'm gonna be wrong. And I don't know. I'm probably gonna be wrong on this. My gut tells me that he's not gonna be eligible this year. That's what my gut tells me. I hope I'm wrong. But my gut says, like, honestly, just looking at his case, unless there's something behind the scenes that we don't know about publicly, I just don't see his case having much merit. But there's always that, that – you're right, Kurt. There's always that thing now. Like, the NCAA is – they're becoming more and more liberal with this and, and granting these waivers, especially now with that rule. seem like it's probably just one year off where everybody can transfer one time penalty-free. So maybe he gets it. I hope he does. I just – I don't know. Logically, I don't think it fits the criteria that they've laid out, but – they're nonsensical sometimes in their decisions. So hopefully that'll play out in our favor this year. Let me ask you this. If he is eligible in 2020, who's going to be our starting quarterback? Um, I still believe it's Jamie Newman. He's been in here since uh, January. And I think the biggest thing is that it really helps us in the backup situation, gives him time to learn the system. People have to remember he's still coming off an ACL injury, so he doesn't have to rush back. Um, This allows him to get fully, you know, fully healed from the injury and get time out. And at the same time, I have a lot of faith in Jamie Newman. I think it gives me a little bit more comfort. Um, Since Newman is the mobile type, even though he's a big-bodied guy, he hasn't really taken hits like he'll see in the SEC um, with that style of physical play, especially running the ball and things like that. So it gives you a little bit of comfort um, to if um, Newman's ever, you know, tweaked or anything to where he can't go out for a little bit of time or something like that, that we have a backup that that I don't feel like the season's lost. If he's eligible in 2020, you're, he is. I think you mentioned something that's very important. He's coming off of an ACL injury, which we know can be difficult. But that 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 ACL injury happened in Week One last year against Fresno State, so mm-hmm. he's a long ways away from that. I mean, he's what? So that was early September. Here we are, almost in June. So we're talking what nine, ten months almost uh, away from that. So I think he should probably be good to go from a health standpoint. It'll be interesting because I think JT Daniels is a really, really talented quarterback. He's a yeah, I think his, his freshman year, he has the high interception ratio, but people have to remember the kid was a true freshman that should have been doing his senior year of uh, high school football and yep. was thrown into a very, very bad situation at that yep. time at USC. Yep, he was a young dude. He reclassified late in that cycle, in the 2018 cycle. Also had T. Martin as your offensive coordinator um, who got fired after that year. It was, it, it was a disaster of a team that year. Uh, and yeah, he, he made some important, there was some, and I actually watched a lot of USC that year. I, I just, I mean, I just watched a lot of college football and, and he was uh, an up and coming player and, you know, the Pac-12, Pac-12 after dark. So after the SEC game goes off or the ABC game, whatever, I always flip over to the Pac-12 after dark and USC being USC was on a lot. So I actually watched a good bit of JT Daniels play as a true freshman. And uh, I saw some really good things. I mean, this guy can make every throw in the book and he's actually far more athletic than you would think like he's not going to be confused with oh I don't, I don't know a Lamar Jackson type guy he's not that kind of guy but he I, I think he's I would, similar I would, to like a Joe Burrow exactly that's who I compare I actually I think he's a more athletic version of Joe Burrow I think he's more athletic than Joe Burrow but but more like that kind of guy not, not a guy you're going to design a, a running game around but a guy that can extend plays a guy that can pick up first downs and legs and a guy that can every now and then actually run a design run if you need him to I mean they would run some quarterback draws and things like that with Burrow to keep defenses honest and, and JD Daniels is that kind of guy I mean and, and he's not a, a huge guy but he's 6'3 210 he's not a small guy either but he can make every throw he's got the athleticism um he's got a high football IQ yes he made some poor decisions as a true freshman but who doesn't make poor decisions as a true freshman especially when you play for a really bad team like that and you there's so much pressure put on your shoulders to have to carry the team because the team just sucks and he had he had, some of those times he had to force balls. 
that you could tell late in games he was just forcing balls, tried to try to make something happen because the team wasn't doing anything. Um, and, and I'm not trying to make complete excuses for him. There were some bad decisions, and there's no doubt I saw him make quite a few bad decisions that year. And he I mean, I think right like, there wow. you talking about that his bad decisions stuff is why we got him because. In our, in our situation, that probably would have been Vandegrift next year. That's a great point. Yes, as, as good as you are as a true freshman, like you're going, like you're going to see things you have never seen before in your life. It doesn't matter how well prepared you are for it. it doesn't matter if your dad's a coach at, at, at the high school level. You are going to see things when the bullets are flying at a much faster pace, at a faster speed, and you're going to see things that you have never seen before in your life. You have a bigger and stronger and faster guys coming after you. So I, I think you have to factor that in as well, but I think, he, I think he's a really good player and I think he can give, I think he can definitely push Jamie Newman. And I, I do think that the fact that we did not have spring practice, I'm not going to say that it hurts Jamie Newman, but it makes it like if, if Daniels gets his eligibility, it makes it more likely for that. He has a chance to win the job because Jamie Newman would not have those 15 practices ahead of him to impress the coaches and show them what he can do and, and just develop a rapport with the receivers and just un, and just get the reps with the offense. He's not going to have that advantage. He's truly going to be two guys, two transfer guys, if Daniels gets his eligibility, two high-level transfer guys coming in and, and just swinging haymakers, trying to, trying to knock the other guy out and trying to win the job. And I would not count out JT Daniels. I, I guess I, I'm with you. I'd probably lean towards Jamie Newman right now because he at least has been on campus and he's been going through meetings and he's, he has thrown with his teammates and all that and done some workouts before spring break and all that stuff. So I think he does have the advantage and, um, and he's got a little bit more experience than JT Daniels does. So, uh, so I think I would probably go with him as the favorite, but I'm not going to just going to hand him the job. If Daniels gets his eligibility, it'll be very interesting to watch it play out, but I, I'm, I'm okay with it because I want the best guy to win. If it's, if, if it's Jamie Newman, awesome. And I'm so high on Jamie Newman. But if it's JT Daniels, then awesome. Whoever the best guy is, let's get that guy out there and let's win some football games. And I like the fact they're going to push each other if he gets his eligibility. But I don't personally think he's going to get his eligibility. I think I might be in the minority there. I hope I'm in the minority. Uh, I hope I, I hope I'm wrong um, in that case because, as you mentioned, like Jamie Newman is is a guy that can that can run the football, and it, he's a big physical dude. But he's going to take some shots. And a guy that runs the football, if he gets hurt. You're going to need a backup, and without Daniels, if if Daniels is not eligible, who's our backup? Kurt, Stetson Bennett, Carson Beck. How confident are you in those guys coming in to play significant minutes this year? I'm not very confident in um, any of those. That's why I said, you know, mentioned that if say Newman does get hurt or something, you kind of get the feeling. I hate to say it, but it's a lost season at that point. Yeah, yeah. If that absolutely. So I think it's really important that he gets his eligibility, even if he doesn't win the job this year, because we. <laughs> We really need a guy that can come in and feel good. We can feel good about him coming in and winning games in big time situations. If something happens, God forbid, to Jamie Newman with his running style. So I, I think it's important. I, I hope to God he gets his eligibility. I just don't know if I'm super confident that he will. But um, all right, let's move on a little bit here. So I get why we went after Daniels. We talked about that. But the thing I'm still trying to wrap my head around is why us? Like from his perspective, Kurt, why come all the way across the country to transfer to Georgia? When he could have gone just about anywhere he wanted, and this is a Southern Cal guy from famed Matter Day High School in Santa Ana, just about I mean, less than half an hour away, I think, from, from USC's campus. So what's your take on that, Kurt? Why us? I think that's what had me most shocked about the whole thing. Once I kind of got into, okay, he could be the bridge quarterback. And once I got past all that, I started wondering, why Georgia? I mean, maybe it has to do with Todd Munkin, and maybe Kirby sold him on what the future is at the quarterback, you know, the offensive scheme going forward. And maybe he also realizes that Georgia is a national is 
becoming a, a major national brand now that's going to get a lot of primetime games. And I think he also had to think, okay, maybe if I'm immediate eligibility, I can go in and compete against Newman this year. But if I lose that or, if, you know, something happens, I don't get it, then next year the position is there for me to take it because none of those freshmen or the freshman, freshmen, any of those guys can stop me if that's his mentality. And if you look at a lot of the other top programs, that's not exactly the case. I mean, Oklahoma, uh, you have Spencer Rattler, who's going to more than likely be this guy, the, the guy this year, and he's a rusher freshman, so it's not like you beat him out next year. And I don't know if he just wasn't really looking on the West Coast, but, I mean, once you start looking in the Big 12, SEC, ACC like that, maybe he just saw the best opportunity and for what we wanted to do offensively in the future that fit him. I mean, where's he going to go on the West Coast? Uh, that's, that's a bigger place than Southern Cal. I mean, I, exactly. And that go? runs more of an air raid type system or wants to run that I mean, type of passing scheme. You can go to Oregon, I guess you can go to Washington, but I mean, if you want like, to me, if you want to win, if you're a competitor, why go to anywhere? Like if you can go anywhere you want, cause I think JT Daniels could have gone just about anywhere he wanted. Why would you go anywhere other than a place that you feel like you have a really good chance to win big? I think that I think that probably factored into his decision without knowing this guy at all. Like if I was a competitor, I would that would be a major uh, decision point for me. But I think that you're you're right. There are other places this that maybe had a, a clearer path to playing time in 2020. But I think that our I think he looked at our roster, our quarterback situation, and he looked at it and said, "All right, I think George has a really clear path to that job, or a much clearer path than a lot of places in 2021." And, I, and this is why another reason why I think, and this is just me, complete speculation on my part. This is another reason why I think he might not be expecting to get his eligibility waiver uh, approved this year. Yeah, because I think he was looking more towards a 2021 season. Yeah. If I had to yeah. think about it, I mean, he'll certainly fill out a waiver, and like look, he, he can't. We don't, it'll take a while on that because. Uh, my understanding is he cannot even submit a waiver until he's officially enrolled in classes. Yeah, and I think it's June 5th. Classes. Yeah, he can't yeah, even do it till June 5th. So next yeah, June, yeah, I think it's June 4th, June 5th. Yeah, one of those days around there. So uh, he'll submit it then because why not? He's at least got to try, right? And so he'll, so he'll submit it in about a week or so. And then the NCAA, who the hell knows how long they're going to take? I mean, they, they just take their time. Sometimes they take their time. Sometimes it's real quick. Who knows? Um, but <laughs> – I think we'll probably find out sometime in July, maybe early August, whether he's going to be eligible eligible or not. But I honestly, I think he was probably like me and looked at his situation. like, look, I don't really have like a great case to, to get an immediate uh, eligibility waiver approved. So I might not be eligible in 2020. So if that's the case, like hopefully I am, it'd be great. But it, I don't think, honestly, and this is just me again speculating here. I don't think, like, why would he come to Georgia? We just got a grad transfer quarterback for 2020, right? So why would he come here to compete with this grad transfer we brought in to be the guy if he thought he was going to be eligible in 2020? I just yeah, I don't especially know I know I know Newman didn't get a spring practice, but he's been in meetings since January. Yeah, exactly. Like I just I don't know if that makes a ton of sense because I mean, like, look, JT Daniels could potentially go pro at, if he gets his eligibility. He could go pro. He's three years removed from high school. He could go pro after this year. So I don't know. Like, if he was coming in expecting to play in 2020, why would he come to a school? that just brought in a guy as a grad transfer to be the guy. And I know Jamie Newman's be his first year here. And you're right. He didn't have spring practice, but he's been on the roster. And we and like, there is made that that's a serious competitor for, for that job. And there are other places like, I don't know, Tennessee, for instance, um, that don't really have much competition in the way there. Oregon's another place. You can stay in the West coast. Uh, Justin Herbert's gone. Like that job, I guess they got, they got a transfer from Boston college, but like, I don't, I mean, I, I if he if he felt like he was gonna be eligible in 2020, like a place like that would make a lot more sense than Georgia. So that's another reason why I'm not sure 
he's going to get his eligibility in 2020. I, I don't, even, I don't even think he expects to get that. Now I'm sure he'll fill out the waiver and cause why not try? We'll see the instantly my surprises and that'd be great. So I think you're right. I think he was looking more at 2021. If you look at 2021, okay. Carson Beck, Brock Vandegrift coming as a true freshman, maybe Dwan Mathis. If he's still, I mean, if he's cleared, I mean, that is a pretty clear path. That's about as clear of a path as you're going to get in big time college football. And you get, and you also get a chance to play against the best competition uh, with, 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 it gets a lot of attention. We've been in the SEC championship game three straight years. He probably only plans on starting for one year, even if it's 2021. Like, I don't think if he plays in 2021, this guy has, I'm sure has enough confidence in himself to say, I'm going to play in 2021. I'm going to have a great season. I'm going to go pro. Right. So I would think right now he's looking at probably only starting one year where that's 2020 or 2021. And he wants the best chance to win in that one year. He's seen all the recruiting success we've had. He's watched the games and he saw like all of us that we were, I mean, let's be honest, a quarterback like him away from winning national titles. And it's nice to play for a team that has a good offensive line also. Absolutely. Play with the team that's a great offensive line. Running back two is, is upgrading the receiver talent, upgrading the tight end talent, has an incredible defense, has been in the SEC championship game, has dominated their division for three straight years. If you want to win, there is honestly, like I outside maybe Alabama or Clemson, where is there a better place to win? And he and like, going to Alabama right now, they've got their guy in Bryce Young. Uh going to Clemson's got their guy, the other dude from California, DJ, however you say his last name. And then they got Trevor Lawrence right now. Like, I mean, Georgia right now is as good of a place to come in and win football games in your one year as a starter, which I'm think I'm sure is probably what he's planning on as anywhere else in the country. So, I, and you're gonna get a lot of national attention along the way. You're gonna rise up draft boards, all that kind of stuff. So, I, from that perspective, I think it does make sense. Even though he is a dude that's a SoCal guy with his, I mean. I don't even know what you call the facial hair he's got going on there. Uh, I'm not going to give a guy a hard time because I have no hair. Uh, but it's if you guys haven't seen it, it's got a little old school little little mustache. I don't even know what you call that, Kurt. We got to remember um, the kid's not even 19, is he? I, I mean, what is it? I I know he was he graduated high school a year early. Uh, what, is he 19 yet? I don't know. He may be turning 19. I believe he first started at age 17 at USC. All right, I'm. I I think you're. I'm almost positive you're right about that. So I'm gonna look this up. I'm JT. Let me just look up JT Daniel age. Oh, he's he turned. He was born February second, two thousand. So he's twenty. He's twenty years old. Wow. He's twenty years old, but he did graduate high school a year early. And and, and another reason why he comes here, like oh, by the way, uh, not even about like the the competition side of things, but by the way, just as like a little side benefit. I mean, Athens, Georgia just happens to be the best college town in the United States of America. So it's a nice little side benefit there. So, yeah, I mean, th- I think there are reasons why he came here. At first, I wasn't sure. I was like, what? Like, what? And then the more I thought about it, I was like, this actually kind of makes sense. Uh, and uh, I don't know exactly where his head was because I don't know the guy. But just looking at from the outside, looking in, I think there are some reasons why this makes sense for him, for him and for us. And kind of a marriage that, that could really work out very well in the long run. But um, all right, there occur a couple more things here. There is an element out there. I want to talk about this. It, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fringe element, but there's an element out there, even in our own fan base. And I call them the cup half empty element that just complains just to complain, like as a rule. And, and one thing I have heard today is I immersed myself in this JT Daniels one day saga was why do we want a guy who is running from the competition at USC? I've heard that more than a few times today. How much stock would you do you put into a perspective like that? Um, you could say that about here. Justin Fields, and now look at him. Yeah, that that that, that is a hundred percent my argument. Is like, okay, okay, all these people want to destroy Kirby Smart for letting Justin Fields Joe transfer. Burrow. 
Exactly, game. exactly. They want to destroy Kirby Smart, and they they say that uh, Justin Fields made the right decision, which I think he did make the right decision for himself. But no one kills Justin Fields for transferring. They say he made the right decision. And it was the almost the exact same situation. It, or it was a very similar situation. There was no injury involved, but there was a guy that, you know, uh, had some competition there and wasn't sure he's going to win the job. And at the quarterback position, it's just become what you do. If you're not sure, there's only one quarterback that plays. And if you're not sure you're going to win the job you, and you have NFL aspirations, you got to go play somewhere to try to get to the NFL. Uh, and if you're not sure it's going to be here and you think you have a better chance somewhere else, you owe it to yourself in some ways to go. And I know, like, you say, well, what about loyalty? Like, guys, I mean, come on. These guys, they're all, their dream is to go play in the NFL. And that dream will never come true if they don't play at the college level. So if he, if he stayed at USC and lost a job and, and stuck behind Keaton Slovis for a couple of years, well, that dream's not coming true. Um, so, like, I, I just don't really buy that. You're right. Joe Burrow is another really good example of that. I mean, this, like, like is like people are acting like this is the first time a quarterback has done this. I just, I, and you don't hear him say this about other people, but you hear I've heard this a couple of times from people like in our own fan base about JT Daniels. And I'm just like, hmm, okay. Um, now, also say this like, I'm not even sure I buy the idea that he's running from competition. Look, there's the, the guy that recruited him as his offense coordinator, T. Martin, is not there anymore. He's not Graham Harrell's guy, the new office coordinator, the air raid guy who used to play quarterback at Texas Tech back in the day with Michael Crabtree. And he's, he's really highly thought of there at USC. They gave him a long, highly paid contract. He's not Graham Harrell's guy. Slovis is Graham Harrell's guy. Um, and he, USC, at, you know, their head coach is on very, very unstable ground right now. He could very well be gone midway through this year. Like he was almost gone midway through last year. So I, I, they're very unstable ground there. I don't know if that's really an attractive situation to be in right now. And let's, let's look, the team is trending in the wrong direction. Like what, what were they like in the, they were outside the top 50 in recruiting this year. Outside the top 50 at USC, and I know part of the issue was the, the, the instability around the coaching situation, but I don't care, man. Outside the top 50 at USC, that team is trending in the wrong direction. They're not going to win big. He has a better chance to win big at a place like Georgia than he does at USC. And we, and we don't know what's important to this guy. We don't know what makes him tick. We don't know what motivates him. And winning might be one of those things. And he might see, okay, not only am I not the offensive coordinator's guy, my coach is on very unstable ground. The team's in the wrong direction. I don't think I'm going to win big here. Let's go play somewhere where I have a better chance to, to actually play and I have a better chance to win at a high level. And that makes sense to me. I, I don't see that as, quote, unquote, running from the competition. But I don't know. That's just me. I want to throw that in there. But um, all right. Uh, one more thing before we get out of here, Kurt. We talked about why he was interested in us. We talked about why we were interested in him. All that's fun. And all that's interesting questions that, that need to be answered. But I don't know those questions have as much of an impact on our program as this next question. And the the question is pretty simple, Kurt. What could this transfer, what impact could this transfer have on our program in terms of the future of our quarterback room? We've alluded to this a little bit with Brock Vandegrift and Carson Beck and beyond. But let me ask you this, Kurt. What does our quarterback room look like week one of the 2020 season in Charlotte against Clemson? Who's on the roster at that position? Um, my guess is, I I I don't think you'll see Beck come twenty twenty one. Um, yeah, that would be my guess. It, um, I think there's a good chance that he won't. I think there's a good chance because, to want Matt might transfer if he, out if he because Beck can't wait around, wait for twenty twenty two, and then if he loses that position or loses that battle, then he's a redshirt sophomore with a lot less eligibility to go to another school. Um, so if he doesn't win out next year, he may transfer just because he does not sure if he beat out, uh, Vandegrift and time, you know, then, you know, he just has to look at how much eligibility he has left. I think, uh, Vandegrift's going to be the guy to stay. And I think he may be the guy of the future. 
Think Stetson Bennett sticks around or does he transfer again? Uh, I mean, his thing is how many school, where can, where can he go? Well, here's the thing by 2021, like the, the one time penalty free transfer rule is not in place this year, but for 2021, I'm pretty sure it's going to be in place. Well, it may be in place. I just don't know what schools will really need someone like him. Well, he'll have to go to a back to a school like he was at, like, no, maybe not quite like that, but he can go play for a group of five schools somewhere. It, it, it depends on how much, like how important is playing to Stetson Bennett? How important is playing versus being a backup at Georgia? You know? And being yeah, Latina I think his, the big reason he originally left was just to try to get a scholarship. Right, and he, and he got the scholarship. He's a Georgia guy, I think from Blackshear, Georgia. Um, so I, I think Stetson sticks around. I think you're right. He's not going to go play at a big school anywhere. He can maybe get in a, a, a group of five spots somewhere. But he'd have to compete for that job. Um, Beck is interesting to me. So let's say Beck, he doesn't win the job this year, doesn't win the job in 2021. Does he stick around and fight it out with Vandergrift? I think it depends on like how things play out in 2021. Let's say Beck doesn't win the job and JT Daniels does. I think it might come down to who ends up being the backup. Does Vandegrift beat out Beck for the backup spot? Because if Beck is the number one backup to Daniels, and let's say if Daniels happens, God forbid, get hurt, and Beck's the guy coming in, I'm not sure he transfers. I think he might feel like he has a, a leg up on Vandegrift. But if Vandegrift comes in as a true freshman and wins the number one backup spot and Beck is number three on the depth chart, then I think he'd probably transfer. I think it just depends on how that would play out. And we don't know that yet. Uh, and then, I, I honestly, Dwan Mathis, God, I, I don't, God bless the guy. I, I wish the best for him, man. I I just don't know if he's first off ever going to be fully clear. I know he's been clear to, clear to do more things. I, as far as I know, he has not been fully cleared for contact or anything like that. So who knows if he'll ever get fully cleared? And if he does, like, I don't know. I think it's the same thing with Beck. Like, if he's not the number one backup, I don't think he sticks around. I think he goes somewhere, especially a guy that's not even from this region. He might go cl- back closer to home somewhere and play. I, I hope not. I, I think the guy could be a good player, and I'd like to have his talent on the roster. But I, I certainly wouldn't be surprised if he's not the more, if he's not the number one backup like Beck I wouldn't be surprised to see him transfer out as well um and and Brock Vandergriff here's like a lot of people who are kind of like don't know how to feel about this transfer and and are slightly concerned about it like their concern centers around Brock Vandergriff right Kurt yeah that's who they're really concerned about yeah their, their concern is oh my god this is going to scare Brock Vandergriff off and if we don't get him we only have JT Daniels for one year in 2021 then what are we going to do moving forward I, and I understand that concern. And I'm not going to say I'm not slightly concerned about that myself. But you should see the quote him and his father have released tonight. Did he, okay, so what, do you can you do you have that in front of you right? Because I have a quote from uh, him. I, I don't can know. paraphrase it pretty much. Brock said, "If you want to go to any school like uh, the University of Georgia, there's going to be competition." And yeah. his dad said, "If you want to win the national championship, you're going to have to come in and compete, or else you can go play at a school that plays you for about two and a half quarters a game, and you can get a participation trophy." There you go. Yeah, that, that, the first quote is the one I have here. This is from, this is from Brock himself. Uh, I, I want to give credit here. I think this is this is from Two Four Seven Sports, where I got this quote from uh, from uh, Dogs Two Four Seven, and he is quoted as saying, "There is always going to be competition at a place like Georgia. That's why people come to play here. Go Dogs." That's directly from Brock Vandegrift, and I didn't see what his dad had said. So thanks for for updating us on that. So I think we're fine here. Brock's a, he's a Georgia guy, and I think he like look. You have to think Kirby kept. The Vandergriff family updated and all this, right? Yeah, Kirby's not going to go do this and throw away his quarterback of the future. Yeah, like Brock Vandergriff did not wake up this morning like you and I did and look at Twitter and social media and be like, huh? JT Daniels? Like, I'm pretty certain this is not the first he'd heard of this. Uh, And and his dad, him and his dad, his dad, if you guys don't know, is the head coach at Prince Avenue where Brock Vandergriff plays. And uh, those guys, look, they're savvy when it comes to this stuff. Like, they've been around the block, you know, with, with high school and college football. They understand, like you and I do, Curtis logically that JT Daniels won't be here past 2021, even if he gets that far. 
Because if he gets his, if he gets the transfer waiver this year and he wins the job somehow, he's not going to be even he won't even be here when Brock Van Griff is there because I think he'll be gone for 2020 if he gets his transfer waiver and he somehow wins the starting job. Which I know there's a lot of if in that, but it's possible. So at worst, at worst, Van Griff is going to have to compete with him for one year. Van Griff's true freshman year. So I don't, I'm not all that worried about Brock Van Griff. I think that he's got a level head. I think he understands the situation, and I think in some ways he might say this could be good for him. He can get sit and learn for a year and get uh, accustomed to the situation. And maybe a guy like Carson Beck transfers out because of this, like we just mentioned. And now the the, the road would be completely clear for Vandegrift complete in 2022, potentially. But here's – I want to throw a wrench in that, though, Kurt. Here's something I don't think many people are considering. And it's, it's this. If Daniel stays and uh, let, let's say he doesn't get his waiver approved or he doesn't win the starting job in 2020 and he starts in 2021, but he leaves after that, this might actually help us with Gunnar Stockton, the five-star and number one ranked dual threat quarterback in the 2022 class out of Raven County here in Georgia. My understanding of, of, of the Stockton situation is that he grew up a, a Georgia guy, a Georgia fan, but it was going to be an uphill battle for us to land him, even though he's an in-state guy, given that we landed Brock Vandegriff, another highly rated five-star guy, one year ahead of him with no class separation. And there was a really good chance that Brock Vandegrift would start in 2021. And if, if that happened, like I'm, I'm talking about without Daniels, if Daniels was not the pitcher, there was a really good chance that Vandegrift would start in 2021. And therefore, it'd be really difficult for Stockton to come in and beat out an already entrenched Vandegrift. And then he might have to sit until he's a junior. It's like the Fields versus Fromm scenario part two all over again. And Stockton already saw how that played out. And there's a lot of conversation, especially with Mike Bobo going to South Carolina, that now South Carolina might have been the favorite for uh, Gunnar Stockton once we landed Brock Vandegrift. And that would suck because Gunnar Stockton is a really, really good player. And I've wanted him for a while now. I've seen the guy play. He is legit. And going to South Carolina, that would really suck. So if, if we have JT Daniels starting in 2021, that means the 2022 job, which would be Brock Vandegrift as either a redshirt freshman or a sophomore, would that job would be wide open between him and Gunnar Stockton. If Gunnar Stockton chose to come in and commit to us, there would be a wide open job uh, competition for that job. And there would be other than the fact that Vandergriff was here one year before Stockton, there would be no other advantage. Like he wouldn't have a year of starting experience under his belt. Like Jake Fromm did with the whole Fromm versus Fields debate. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. And, and Gunnar Stockton, have you seen any of his highlights career? This guy's legit. I have not. I've been focused more on Vandegrift. Yeah, oh, totally, totally. And, and I know a lot of people haven't seen his his tape. And I, and I might be completely off off uh, off base here, but I think there could be implications for us landing Gunnar Stockton. It could open up the door for us to land him, and and that might make who like even if even if Brock Vandegrift, as much as I like him, if Brock Vandegrift did decide, no, this is too much for me. I I'm I'm upset about this. I'm going to decommit and go somewhere else. That would suck. I really want Vandegrift. But that would make it a lot more likely for us to get Stockton, and that might lessen the blow of potentially losing Brock Vandegrift. Um, hopefully it doesn't come to that. I hope we just get them both regardless. But just another thing to throw out there when you're considering the implications of this JT Daniels transfer and what it might mean for the, the quarterback room moving forward the next couple of years. But um, all right, guys, that's it for today here on the Glory UJ podcast. I know this is kind of all over the place. But, uh, yeah, we kind of just did this show on the fly today. It's an emergency podcast, so it is what it is. And we hope we covered this as as – detailed as we could and if we miss something if you have any other questions feel free to hit us up on twitter at glory underscore uga and we'll certainly continue to discuss this as the week the weeks play out we kind of determine whether 
There's going to be a, a transfer waiver approved for Daniels. But, uh, yeah, a lot of stuff going on, a lot of fun stuff going on, guys. But thanks for listening. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs.